1: Uh, like Father Morgan said, my name is Justin Gonzalez, uh, and today we're going to be continuing our journey through the book of Romans. I invite you all, if you have a Bible with you, uh, to read along with me again in the passage or listen closely as I reread it. We'll be in Romans 5, 15 and 19. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man Jesus Christ abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, Heavenly Father, I pray that you speak to us today, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord. Open our ears and hearts to the words you have for us today, and through your Holy Spirit, use it to transform us. All these things I pray in the name of our Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So like I said, we're going to be continuing through the book of Romans. Um, If you didn't know, just to give a little context... Uh, this book was written by Paul to the Christians in Rome uh, to provide direction, uh, encouragement, and guidance to believers there. But before we hop into the text, I want to begin with a story, a story of a man uh, with a family, and he would work and work to try and provide for him, not only himself, but his family. But no matter how much he worked, he just couldn't bring in enough uh, to even really keep food on the table. And... This man, he had three daughters, and the three of them wanted to marry, but he couldn't afford to pay for one daughter's dowry, let alone three. A wealthier man in the town had heard of of their situation, and for three nights in a row, he would come by, fill a bag with money, enough for the dowry and a little left over, and toss it into the window. He did that for three nights, one for each daughter, and around the second night, the man was wondering, who is doing this? What is, what is this gift from God that, that we're going to be able to pay for my daughter's dowry? So on the second night, on the third night, he, he looked out the window, and he saw that man was actually St. Nicholas, the bishop in the town. St. Nicholas had heard of the downcast state of, of the family and, and, their, and their poverty, And he was moved with compassion and he gave them a free gift. Something that seemed impossible for them to earn on their own. And this passage actually reminds me a lot of that story. What we could not earn on our own was given to us as a free gift. Now what do I mean by that? Well, let's go to the passage and see what we know. We know that Through Adam, sin and death had entered the world. He brought the whole of humanity into condemnation and judgment before the eyes of God. To bring humanity again into a place that they could be made right and walk closer with God (coughs) was found in the Old Covenant, and in that, the law and the commandments and the prophets. The law was given so that humanity can walk in accordance with the will of God. And there were laws given for essentially every area of life to break down the book of Leviticus, uh, how to consecrate the priests, how to make offerings, how to become clean after the plethora of ways that someone could become unclean, and to walk in holiness. And there was so much detail given to be in right standing before God and to be pure in His sight. There's so much that had to be done to fight against the corruption that came from sin and death. But no one can keep it perfectly. I can't keep it perfectly. (laughs) We consistently fail at perfection and consistently fail at keeping the law. We commit sins in either our speech, our actions, our thoughts, or our heart. On our own, we are not able to stand before God and walk away unscathed. The Lord hates sin and judges it accordingly. His judgment is terrifying. To think about it is, is very scary, it is personally for me. But his judgment is also beautiful. His judgment reflects who he is, his holiness and his Perfection. It shows us how he is perfect and how he is just. He cannot tolerate sin or evil. We see in Habakkuk 113, which says, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. With all of our consistent shortcomings and tries we might be clean and pure before the Lord, through all of our own merits and good, what we might do in trying to treat people well or just live a good life we still fall short we even see looking back a couple of chapters in Romans 3 that none are righteous the Jew with the law is not any more righteous than the Gentile without it Romans 3:23. for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God so, again, try as we might, in comparison to the perfection and holiness of God, we just can't add up. But, and I'm sure you've seen it on either bumper stickers, keychains, t-shirts, or even in social media, there's two words, but God. And there's a lot of different ways that people take that or use that. We can use it here, and it's true we were dead and hopeless in our sin like Israel in exile or this this poor man and his family but God did not leave us there and that's essentially the gospel the second half of verse 16 the free gift following many trespasses brought justification in fact we can see throughout the whole passage uh, comparison between the trespass and the free gift. As one brought death and condemnation, another brought so much more. Life and freedom. We are no longer under the bounds of the old covenant and the law, though the law is still important and can still apply to us in a lot of ways. That's no longer what brings us into right standing with God. Is a gift of grace and freedom that we receive in Christ Jesus. We have now come under the blood of the new covenant. We can even see that here, the old and the new. That blood is the free gift, that life freely given, to bring many out of death and to allow us to participate in life. As one of my favorite hymns says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all of their guilty stains. So what? What does that mean for us? For starters, it's hope. The free gift that we can participate in, it unites us to Christ. In being united to Christ, we participate in his obedience his salvation, his justification. John Calvin puts it like this: We are restored in a different way to salvation, for it is not said to be accepted for us because it is in us, but because we possess Christ Himself with all of His blessings, as given to us through the kindness of the Father. The gift of righteousness is not a quality God endows us, but is an imputation of righteousness by grace through Christ and what that's saying is actually so freeing it's not up to us it's not up to our own actions or our own accord to, to be in right standing with God but it's in Christ in our participation in him that we are made right while Adam involved his whole species in condemnation through our nature with the grace of Christ We participate by being engrafted into him. We are set free from condemnation as we are in Christ. (laughs) Not to jump ahead to Romans 8, um, but it's all connected. And that's what the free gift is. Justification in Christ. The blood that covers us and washes us, that frees us. And I, I would encourage you to think about that as we partake in the Eucharist today. Continuing this passage, um, I want to look at the stark comparison here between Adam and Christ. Uh, though Paul doesn't explicitly state it here, in other places, like the end of 1 Corinthians 15, uh, we see that Christ is seen as a second Adam. Uh, sinning once and Adam but there's a distinction sorry uh, between the two Adam sinning once and therefore dooming all of humanity and Jesus dying once and therefore covering a multitude of sins in this passage uh, that's honestly something that struck me the obedience portion Adam did not but Christ did and this is something I just want to touch on briefly. We are called, ultimately, to conform to Christ in his life and actions. The consistent phrase of what would Jesus do is something we do need to think about regularly and participate in. But just like the law, if we do that apart from the grace of Christ, if we try and live a good life, but we're apart from Christ, we will still fall short now it's not to say don't obey because obedience to God is still important in every aspect of life mold yourself to the image of Christ in all that you do fight the good fight of faith stand up for what's right stand up for those who are being mistreated be actively obedient and fight against the passive disobedience that Adam had though his His passive disobedience wasn't just, I don't know. It was a choice. It was a choice to not follow God's commands. But also hear this. Even if we fail in our obedience, which many times we will, there is grace. There is the free gift, and that free gift is the grace in and only through Christ that frees us from condemnation and death and to reiterate by all means on our own accord we have no hope of gaining to be in right standing with God but don't let that scare you in fact let it free you by participating by encouraging you to participate in the life of Christ in the free gift that he gives that justification honestly I'm I'm kind of preaching myself first here in the sense that I think I can get too wrapped up in, in good works that I forget that that's not what saves me. It's Christ's life that he shed for us. Sin entered the world and everyone throughout the early history of the world was not able to remedy that. Only through Christ, even all of our shortcomings and failures, Are we able to participate in the justification of Christ? I want to finish with a quote from C.S. Lewis out of his book, Mere Christianity. To have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him but trying in a new, less worried way. Not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because the first faint beam of heaven was already inside you.